that make a nice refreshing change? Make a fool of yourself talking about something else. Look at his did, name. did any of those people who were? You remember there the always used to be stories about players considering going to the NFL to be kickers. Yes. Did I any could, of the, I could have done that. Did anybody actually go? I could have gone. I should have gone. Really, you should have gone. Even with your that's great at kicking it. Terrible knees. The trouble is, does sometimes a kicker have to run with it? No, don't think so. No, splattered. Um, unless there's a, a very exciting fake. Oh, I would joke be, play, I would play. Would be keen to be jumped on by an 18 stone linebacker. Do they have linebackers? Is, do they not so much in? Well, not so, let's not get technical don't, about don't it. Don't get huge. What are the people called? Not, not we'll special, I mean, there are, there are linebackers play. in special teams, but they're not yeah. in that yeah, special yeah, teams yeah, yeah. play. As well, a if linebacker. I was going to kick and I decided to run it, who would be trying to splatter me? All, all eleven. What are they called? What are those American football players? Bigger, bigger people than you. They're not positions. They're just a group of Americans. Yeah, they're just they're just special teamers at that point. Special teamers. Well, like special forces. You could have uh, you could have used all this perceived wisdom. What? Um, in talking about the NFL yeah, on Sky Sports. Clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. But I could have been a kicker. I can really clobber it. You could. Well, they don't even have to, it, it doesn't. Uh, Hugh will shout me down for this. It doesn't even strike me as being that hard. Uh, it's more about the pressure situation rather okay. than the actual contact. But but also you are under pressure because they are racing at you. So you've got to you've got to rely on the line being able to block them to yeah. stop them getting to you. So that's the man who, in his junior football days, his team would rather have started with a man <laughs> less than actually allow him onto the field. Don't oh, bring that up to use that against up. me. So if that's you were, he has been humiliated by that story yeah, yeah, enough. Yeah. If you had a pair of American football posts and you were 30 yards out. But they're not 30 yards out, are they? They're no, between, no, well, an extra point is 33 yards. Right. Um, a field goal is anywhere between, no, no, no. say, so say 20 oh, no, no, no. to 60. Oh, no, a point. field goal is hard. Don't get me wrong. It's the, it's the thing after the touchdown. So yes, you, which you is now a 33-yard field goal. So it's actually okay. quite hard. So it how many used, quite to be, hard. used to be yeah. less than that. So how many out of 10? So no pressure on you. The ball is just there to be kicked through the post. You're rec- out of 10. I think I do it every time. You wouldn't miss. From 33 yards. What, what, as of, as of right now, without, without any practice, just yeah, if we me, went out and did it in the Give me a few now. weeks training. Oh, weeks okay. training? Yeah. No, 33 yards in, between a pair of massive pro posts with no pressure. Incredibly brave, sat at your own dinner, uh, dining table, so I can <laughs> kick it through there. And there's anyone close. I bet you guarantee you, you probably, you'd probably miss right, it for three or four. Let's, should do it. Let's say put eight. it to the test. Let's put it to the test. Let's go to Didsbury Park and put it to the test. Or would you hit the crossbar from the edge of the penalty area if you had to chip it? If the ball was static on the edge of the penalty area. On the edge area, of the penalty area, on, onto the crossbar. crossbar. How, many, how many out of ten would you get? You None. Well, you the wouldn't crossbar be able to do challenge. That. No, well, yeah, but they do it from a bit further out, don't they? I'd maybe be able to get one in a yeah, hundred. Is that the edge of the box crossbar challenge? Do they do it from the edge no, of the no, box? No, it's further, further out. Well, it's from various positions, isn't it? Yeah. But it's still a challenge to so hit So you the reckon crossbar. you would not miss a single kick? Under no pressure, with no one else on the, right, okay. on the, on the field... So if me and Steve could actually <laughs> run at you while you do, you think that'd make a big difference? That would make a massive difference. <laughs> yes. If we if we if we went if we went and found a group of rugby lads who were doing the Didsbury Dozen, yeah, what's the Didsbury is, Dozen? The Didsbury Dozen is uh, they there used to be twelve pubs in Didsbury. Yeah, give them a few drinks. There used to be a, a, a popular rugby boys weekend right, right. drinking excursion was to come and do the Didsbury Dozen. Mm-hmm. So if we went out and found some lads doing the Didsbury Dozen, had them charging at Rory whilst he tried to uh, kick one over the posts in Didsbury Park. Oh, that made a massive difference. Would I get? Would I, would, would, I have, for it. would I have blockers? Well, if if you've got the charges, then then you've got the blockers. I yeah. do it for you. You've got two lines basically, one trying to block the other. No way, I'm taking a bullet for you. Maybe maybe he's exaggerating things like you did when that free kick competition you had with uh, Beckham and the well, exaggerating. That is what happened. Get me a Bible. <laughs> That is what happened. It's you written in the Bible. And they were applauding. <laughs> they, the they, were, they were applauding. Applauding, yeah. Beckham would be the, bowing down. The, they were applauding the your parables. ability to rewrite history. Yeah. No. No, this, this actually happened. 
A lot of the other stuff I say doesn't happen, but this definitely, <laughs> definitely did. It's time for another set-piece menu. Hello, everyone. This is the podcast where four friends talk about football over food. We are at Rory's house uh, today, but the food is provided uh, by me, and it's actually there is still a fair amount remaining, which is slightly oh. upsetting. It's delicious. Mm. I'm just, just, just savouring it, enjoying is, it. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. It, it is a... Um, I can't, even, can't remember what it's called. It's, I think, a blueberry and apricot crumble cake. What it was lovely. That, what are the bits that taste like toenail clippings? What are they? <laughs> toenail clipping. Oh. When did uh, when did Gemma make this? Uh, she, she made it only two days ago. No, actually, I made it. Um, it was the first bake in the new oven. Ooh, so the there was, new oven. There was something historically significant about this cake. I hope you are enjoy. Are you pleased it. with your new oven? Uh, yes, well, it made this. Um, Can we mention that's essential? Uh, <laughs> no, because I don't think we're going to get it to sponsor us. By the way, um, one of the other dads from from Rory's school, Rory's yeah. five, mm. um, one of the other dads who I see regularly who, who, who drops off at the same time and uh, listens to the Set Piece Menu podcast, yeah. oh, which yeah. is jolly decent of him, mm. he says, I'm the only one who ever sounds like they're eating. Yeah. So does that mean I'm I'm the unprofessional one, or I'm just sort of? Means you're the loudest eater. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's <laughs> you you have an insatiable appetite and always have thirds, which by the time we get round to talking, is Sorry still on that. your plate. Yeah, we should point out from the point of view of honesty that we generally have finished, well, apart from Steve, eating <laughs> before well, I, I just we have re- a, yeah, record. Just the leftovers. That is yeah, the yeah. point of view of honesty, but also politeness, really, because yeah. the last thing you want to hear is very very close up eating and <laughs> masticulating. Do you want me to finish it or not? No, save it for later. Okay. Let's crack on. Set Piece Menu is available on iTunes and Stitcher. We're also on Twitter, at Set Piece Menu. Give us a follow. Let us know what you think. We're thinking of adding a little feature, actually, mm. uh, where Andy answers listeners' questions. Oh. So perhaps if you get in touch via Twitter and one of Chinch's soccer stories, another one to come later, could well be prompted by one of your questions. So not Audience like your pin number and stuff like that. Not, that question, <laughs> not, much, not much of a story attached to that one. <laughs> be a brief speaking, one. speaking of Andy's pin number, I should also apologise for any weird noises that, that occurred during the podcast. My dog, who has already had a go at Andy's wallet, <laughs> which is, true. let me tell you, not, not always easy to pry over. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, young, a, young, a young spaniel puppy has managed to yeah, apparently, it. Yeah, found, found its way into Andy's wallet. He, uh, he only chewed the one card that Andy I was didn't, I didn't want to say, I did have £150 £30, <laughs> so basically you owe me £120. Uh, well, I but don't. If it comes out the other end, <laughs> the dog I don't does. want it. Right, OK. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's introduce you if to you the team. If you put notes in and coins come out <laughs> the other end, that would be brilliant. What a service. Let's introduce you to the team, shall we, uh, which includes Hector. Um, the Andy I've already mentioned is the star power of the podcast, seven-cap England international Andy Hinchcliffe, who's also on your televisions. Rory Smith is the intellectual inspiration. He's the chief soccer correspondent of the New York Times and also on your radios. I'm Hugh Ferris, the matronly influence who makes sure we don't wander <laughs> off subject and waffle too long. I'm also on your televisions and radios. And Steve Wyeth is actually like my old school matron, the kind of curmudgeon who'd give you a paracetamol for anything short of certain death. <laughs> He's curmudgeon. <laughs> curmudgeon. I didn't want to say grumpy. It, it seemed, I, I don't know. Just, it just seems just a little use rude. The, use the grumpy word if you want. I don't mind. He's also grumpily on your televisions and radios, where he is not at all grumpy. He tries to at it's least be in Grumpy, are you? No. Well, I've known him for long enough to know that uh, very, very near the surface, if you scratch only a little, you get to some fairly well-based fury. I'm I'm if you, <laughs> I think if you dig deeper than that, you reach a sort of a wellspring of caramel goodness. <laughs> 
I think I'd prefer to be grumpy. Would you? Are you grumpy? But there you go. You consider yourself associate himself with self-positive. Self-define as grumpy. No, no. But I think I'd rather be grumpy than be have a caramel center. You were telling us only just now about how you be a medical phenomenon. You often open. I think I've eaten so many toffee crisps. I might have a caramel center. But you were telling us only only recently how you often open, fling open the curtains of a morning and say, "Ah, what a glorious day." I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not it was obviously a story worth telling because it's only happened like twice in his life yeah, and he can remember the specific well, example. I think I was using it to, uh, to describe uh, mine and Katie's perhaps inability to, uh, to to agree on things. I was trying to trying to say that what I took from that story was that you often wake up in a, in a fine mood. No, no, that very very rarely happens. <laughs> Let's just say he revels in providing us with the odd rant. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's okay. all. So now in the mornings when you're doing the podcast, you think, what a day. What a day what this is going to be. No, what I a just, day this I just need be. to get the rants out, out of the way before we, before we all sit down collectively. Is there an underlying anger that we need to be worried about? Yeah. Because we do give you cutlery and things. I don't want to be coming <laughs> across tables with knives. Is that why you haven't finished eating? Because you've spent too Take much of the fork. time preparing to Rory. get yourself out of your negative mind I've spent so long grinding my teeth already today <laughs> that I'm, I'm you know, in a, incapable of chewing my food. On this episode of Set Piece Menu, as we welcome the return of the Champions League, we ask, does the competition matter to English clubs anymore? This is something we'll mull over for the next half an hour or so, and it is a question first posed by Rory Smith. It is, yeah, and this is, this is my basic working theory. I think it still does matter, without a shadow of a doubt. I think teams want to win it, they want to do well in it, they want to be in it. But I don't think it matters as much as it once did, because we've always been very centred on our own domestic kind of competition in this country anyway. The lead has always been, you know, it's... I mean, even when Liverpool won the Champions League in 2005, there was a sense of, well, they, they did only finish fifth in the Premier League. And you think, well, who, who on earth cares? <laughs> they won the Champions League. But that, was, that, that, that focus has always been, has been more on the lead than in the Champions League. I suspect that changed during the ban after Heysel when it, everyone started looking inward to domestic competitions yeah. more, which is also the period of time when the FA Cup started to really matter again. But I also think that the TV money... This is the, the modern twist, I guess. The TV money, the, the rampant inflation in TV money in the, in the Premier League has made that financially more rewarding. There is this widely dispersed stat that if you finish bottom in the Premier League, you get more money than if you, if you win the Champions League. 83.8 million euros, so 75 million pounds. Champions League big pot because actually it doesn't necessarily matter about whether you win it or yeah. not it's the, the TV money from Champions League that makes you earn the most yeah. and that was what Manchester City got uh, last season um, and the Premier League winners this season in the new deal get £146 million pounds. so there, there's the discrepancy you're talking about yeah so I, I think that because of the TV money that there is there is now there's a glamour and there's a, a kind of what's the word cachet which cachet. I think we've used on the podcast there's a glamour and nice. Uh, there's a glamour and uh, it's a very set piece menu word there is a cachet in being in the Champions League it helps you attract players no question about that but I think in terms of business models in terms of focuses in terms of priorities I think the lead now increasingly is what teams are focusing on and I think part of that's been driven by the fact that BT have the Champions League rights rather than Sky because the Sky hype machine and that's not necessarily said critically has been really important in driving kind of the, the, the sort of hyperbolic circus that football's become and without Sky focusing as much on the Champions League I think that mi- and without as many people watching it no offence to BT yeah. I think that might have influenced a little bit how we perceive the Champions League it's difficult for all of us in the football media to th- who think about football are, are paid to think about football 
to notice it, but I wonder whether amongst fans, it's maybe not quite the be-all and end-all it once was. That's the argument applied to cricket, isn't it? Because domestic and international cricket is no longer available on free-to-air television, that people don't tend to identify with the England mm. cricket team and particularly their stars anymore and so it is about an accessibility and availability. It's not, it's not just a Sky BT sport thing of course because the, the, the transfer of the deal meant there was no longer live games on ITV it lost its live domestic platform even though ITV do still provide extensive highlights yeah. on, a, on a Wednesday evening after, after the midweek games. You, you, you're right there's, wasn't there a thing with Manchester United and a shirt deal at some point which uh, the value of that yeah, sponsorship deal was dependent on whether or not they got into the Champions yep. League that, the, that the the Wallet, yeah, they, they dropped off a little bit didn't. so in terms of sponsorship in terms of attracting players in terms of the prestige yeah. getting being part of the Champions League and playing in the Champions League and earning the revenue you get from those six group games in particular in the first half of the year are all very important to the big clubs in the Premier League but perhaps it's what happens after the the, the winter hiatus is, is perhaps is that less significant mm. to English clubs because they've they've got into the Champions League so they've earned that right they've attracted the players because they're, yeah. they're in it and they've they've all played six games in the competition so they've had a decent crack at it but once they resume in February when we haven't had a, a domestic winter break, players are perhaps starting to feel the you know energy is sapped from yeah. them. That it's not quite so. Sorry, and did you want to say? No, something? no, no Andy was just practicing his breathing. I just practicing my breathing because I keep getting told off that breathing my nose too much. <laughs> but it is quite a sizable conk, though, isn't it? Not, <laughs> There's a lot of air to get in there. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, back to the really important topic that we're talking about. It, of course, for PR in terms of finances, it's very important. But actually, for, from a business model, if you're looking at, uh, at making money and, and it being about PR, the Champions League is fantastic for the big clubs. But in terms of can we actually win it, is it important to win it? It's probably more important, as you say, probably to win the Premier League because it is a competition they can win. And maybe it is with the way that the TV coverage has gone with it as well. The fans do think now that the Premier League is, is arguably more important than the Champions League, mainly because they have a chance of actually winning it. Well, I think that's important, the fact, the sense that in, the English clubs maybe have been left behind a bit by Barca, Real, by Munich and Atletico, who now, if you were at the start of the season to say who were going to be the four semi-finalists, yeah. that'd be your guess. It might not be. One of them, two of them might miss out, but two of them will definitely be there, uh, unless they all sort of play each other. I think in terms of whether the Champions League is important for PR worldwide... I'd love to think it is, but I'm not sure. I think the Premier League probably has more exposure than the Champions League worldwide. I don't know if, if I, I don't have any viewing figures to back that up because that would have meant doing my research, and that <laughs> would have been too much to ask. But that'd be just a factor of when games are played. Partly when the games are played is it obviously if you're on at 7:45 in Britain, which Champions League games are, you are on at in the middle of the night in Asia, which is a massive market. So it perhaps doesn't doesn't have the same kind of grip on that market great time for the states but but during the mid, middle of the working day, day yeah so it's not ideal for people to watch i think that that the premier league probably is the main battering ram for brand building across the world for english clubs the, the champions league i i don't think it's the stage of the europa league where teams actively are bitterly opposed to being they spend all year trying to get in, into it and then decide they don't want to be there mm. but i don't think what I think doing well in the Champions League matters quite so much. If you go through it club by club. Would Arsenal rather win the Champions Arsenal, the, cha- the club who were desperate to win the Champions League, just they, they haven't done it. Would Arsenal rather win the Champions League or the Premier League? I think they probably want to win the Premier League. They would, absolutely. And that's a competition clearly they can possibly win. But with Guardiola coming to City, was he brought in to win the Champions League? Well, he was. Again, was it a PR exercise to get the best coach, arguably, in Europe to come and... I think he was brought in to win the Champions League because I think the people who run City, and Hugh might be able to offer a more educated view than me on this, but I think the people who run City have a view of the Champions League as being the ultimate... 
justification is the wrong word, but the kind of it's the ultimate way of bestowing legitimacy on a club on the size of your club is winning the Champions League. But the fans, definitely, the City fans do not, and I don't want to speak for all City fans, but most City fans, as far as I, as far as I can tell, care far more about the league than they do the Champions League. So City fans would rather beat United to the Premier League title than the, beat be Bayern Munich to in the, the Champions League final. I would, I, I would say so, yeah. But is that not true? Sorry, Hugh. I know you were about that's, to jump in, I'll, and as, I'll, as, I'll, as the host, it is your I will no doubt forget right so. all of the salient points that are in my head but in the next 30 seconds. Is, is, what, is what you've just said about preferring to win your domestic title than the Champions League or a European Cup, is that not true of probably everybody apart from Real Madrid, perhaps? You know, Juventus, I'm sure, would rather maintain their supremacy in Italy than win the Champions League. PSG might be a, a slightly like different City, example, but a, a majority of teams view success or failure dependent on whether on, on winning their domestic title. That is how they are judged in the long term, yeah. because obviously that's something that is a much closer reflection of your capabilities. To win the Champions League, you require a little bit of good fortune. Yeah, yeah. The, the best team domestically always wins the title. The best team in Europe doesn't always win the Champions League. I'm just wondering as well if big money comes into these clubs, it's as much about PR for the owners in terms of doing well in the Champions League to seem to be successful, taking over, putting a lot of money into a club, winning the Champions League is the is the kind of the biggest um, bonus they can get. That that's what they're in it for. If you're spending that type of money, you're coming to City and spending billions, presumably doing well in the Champions League. Not doing well in the Champions League is highly embarrassing for for, for people that own Man City. A lot of it is about PR, isn't it? And PSG, probably the same as well. The amount of finances are in there. They they probably know they're going to win the French title. But actually for the people that own the club, so are they looking at it, we're using this club as a vehicle to kind of, again, it's for our success just as much as anything else. Look at the actual club itself. The culture of the club itself changes when big money comes in. It becomes a different animal, doesn't it? There was a little bit of mirth amongst uh, Manchester United fans when City went on their pre-season tour after winning the FA Cup mm. under their under their current owners and, and on that tour to the US they were being promoted as the FA Cup champions mm. which Manchester United fans found mm. quite hilarious but that shows you yeah that, that it's the, the tag that you can attach to success is clearly important to those people who've come in and invested yeah. huge amounts of money in the club and being able to declare yourselves the champions of Europe when you're looking to, to sell mm. interests in your club around the world it would, would clearly be hugely significant it's like them. the Oscar winner tag yeah. so yeah. that your next movie you're charging a lot more but I th- do you not think that and I'm, I'm, I think we should maybe make the point of this, of this edition of the podcast and not let Hugh speak at all <laughs> <laughs> I, I can just say that's the end and then you won't be speaking <laughs> there was at that, all there was, that, there was that edition where he completely oh, lost his voice which, which was one of our, one one of our more popular I enjoyed editions that, I enjoyed that so immensely look, look, look that one up by the way if you can it's, I think it's episode 3 it's worth listening to but please yeah. look up all uh, yeah, to get a fair reflection and of the amount that we all speak you prefer it with Hugh speaking or not <laughs> at set piece menu maybe it'll be a question for Chinch yeah, do you prefer yeah, it when he doesn't talk because yeah. I know what my answer is the, do you not think there is and it, I think Chinch is absolutely right That am I? yeah on what score? on the the, the the Champions League matters to the owners of, of clubs yeah. who've come into money. Mm. That was definitely true of Chelsea under Abramovich. It's changed a bit now because Abramovich is kind of established, but initially his, his focus was, I want a team to win the Champions League. That was his whole It's a reflection thing. of me. Yeah, it yeah. reflects, it kind of proves that I've spent my money in a worthwhile way. It's definitely true of City, it's definitely true of PSG. That is their barometer. I don't think that's right about Juve and Bayern. Real have a special relationship with the European yeah. Cup. I think it matters a lot to Barcelona. 
I think it, it because they are so far behind Real in terms of yeah. how many they've yeah. won. I think it really matters to Barcelona. In, but in terms of their status in world football, that's not reflected in, in the number of times no, they've won no. the, the, the European Cup. Yeah. But I think to, to Juventus and Bayern. Yeah, and you have other clubs who've got Liverpool have got a special relationship with the European Cup AC Milan have a special relationship with the European Cup but in terms of Juventus and Bayern I think that now because of the way the leagues have gone they probably do see the Champions League as a bigger achievement than the league I think the league they expect to win and the Champions League is, is the barometer of where they are compared to the clubs that they are competing with it's not, not, not a case of which is the bigger achievement it's the no. one by which they are, they are judged out. on that would would Bayern Take throw all their chips at the at the Champions League if it meant relinquishing their their stranglehold no, well, on on the Bundesliga. Well, Bayern, if you don't speak to anyone at Bayern, the whole they all say, "Ah, oh, this is this is." I don't. In fact, I'm not going to do a German. <laughs> no, please, please continue. <laughs> go on, please do it. Go on. Very French. On. I, I have a specific friend at Bayern who I, who I was going to do an impression of, but that's not fair. He's a lovely man. But he speaks to people at Bayern, and they basically say that they go into every season thinking, "This is Bayern Munich. We win every game. We win every, we win every trophy." That's Bayern's standard. That's the standard they hold themselves hold mm. themselves to. But yeah, that's a good question. Would they? Would they? Would Bayern say if you said to Bayern fans you can win the Champions League but finish third this year? I'm not. I'm not actually 100 certain they take it because they do expect to be first in yeah. Germany. Yeah. Um, but no, I think. But I think with the in terms of the owners of the those those new clubs, not new clubs, those newly rich clubs, that I think the Champions League matters more to them than it does perhaps to their fans. So City, and this is where we'll bring Hugh back into it. <laughs> Don't steer it away. Again. Yeah. City. I finished off Steve's plate of the yeah, cake, yeah. by the way. In the I was looking forward time. to that. City fans, I would say it's only my interpretation, but the difference is that they have not got, but they've not been sated by domestic success yet. So they still yeah. want to win the league. They want to be prime. They want primacy in Manchester. They want primacy in England. Europe is something else. They're not. It's not really on the horizon particularly. They want to do well in it, but it's not something that, that makes or breaks their season. And I, I wonder whether them winning the title frequently in the last and Leicester obviously is kind of a different thing but because we've not had a dominant team for the last five years that's been sort of chopping and changing whether that means that the Premier League has become more open whether more teams are now thinking we can win it and Europe is very much a secondary thing also the fact that Liverpool and Man United have not beat Liverpool particularly have not been in the Champions League United have spent two years out of it in the last three they're the two clubs in, in England who, who really do have that relationship with the Champions League. And they always talk about special nights at, yeah. at Old Trafford mm-hmm. and Anfield under the lights. And, and clearly, if you've got a, a history in that competition that you can refer back to, you are going to have a better relationship with that competition. The, the City thing is interesting. It, essentially, it, it, it's bookmarks along, along the story. The first bookmark was making sure that a trophy was won. The banner came down, the FA Cup, tick. The second one was winning the league. Um, beating Manchester United to it in such dramatic circumstances was probably the best league that they'll, they'll ever win. It will never be like that again, but clearly they'd like to win it more and more often. And then the third bookmark in that is to, to win the Champions League. The relationship between City and the Champions League has been affected by the relationship between City's fans and UEFA. Clearly clearly there have been protests, there has been a difficulty, a number of reasons why. Some of those reasons legitimate, some of those reasons because they haven't actually done particularly well in the competition. It's very easy to have a less than good relationship with the competition in which you have not performed well. And that's probably actually an English-wide thing. Well, we're not winning the Champions League, so we don't care so much about it. We've got the Premier League. It's that insular introvert thing that you mentioned about the, the after the Heisel uh, disaster. I have said to City fans regularly, and it, it is a frustration of mine, is that 
actually, if you were to try and engender a positive relationship with the Champions League, that will probably allow you to do better because the atmosphere will be better. You're making, you'll be making these these new stories, like for example, beating Barcelona. That will be one of the most amazing memories for all of the City fans that were there that night, and they will refer back to it. That will be the bedrock of a better relationship with the Champions League. But the other thing is, is that when they got to the semi-finals last season, suddenly the relationship with UEFA was less of an issue and the fact that they were playing Real Madrid in the quarter in the semi-finals having beaten PSG and gained a certain amount of legitimacy mm. in Europe started to to redress the balance we like this competition we like the idea of success we like the idea of of doing well and being taken seriously so you have to have some so history in the competition yes, it's, it's so self-perpetuating if you have City fans now are you a Premier League club are you a Champions League club I'm sure City fans would say we're a Premier League club who plays in the Champions League in 10 years time that might change depending on how they do and they might see themselves very differently but the City fans I speak to and if I said you could have that Aguero moment again and again and again where you could beat Barcelona in the Champions League final Remage in the Champions League final what would you rather have and they always say we'd rather win the Premier League in the way that we want it. It can never get better than that. But if they had had that Aguero moment in the Champions League, yes. would they then say, well, Unless we want to, in the final. We, we want to replicate that? Yes, I, I do because think, again, those are the happy memories that you'd like to see repeated. Do you not think, and it is, City won two titles. That's that's it, which, to be honest, and I, I like City, I, 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 I don't... Premier think, League titles. Premier League titles. I, I certainly <laughs> don't have a, a, a sort of agenda against City although I'm constantly accused of having an agenda against City very t- you've got agendas against lots of clubs you've got agendas against all 20 Premier League clubs equally journalists talk about all the time it's like, who are the worst fans on, tw- on Twitter and everyone always says oh, Liverpool fans are the worst fans on Twitter and I kind of think that's unfair because I think Arsenal fans are pretty bad but with both of those and United there's a lot of them with City there's not that many but there's a few who are abs- just awful just really awful <laughs> towards you, you or just generally just generally oh, just okay. adamant that every that the they'd like you Andy as though, as though, like journalists who work for rival organisations, sit around and, and th- to be honest, spend enough time thinking about Manchester City to want to do them down. You just can't. You try and explain to them why, you know, how it works and, and all this, and be reasonable. And it's, you just get told, no, 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 you're wrong. You think you're sitting in your bedroom telling me I'm wrong about an industry that I've worked in for 10, 12 years what do you, what, how, like, I don't know to the mechanic and be like well I'll tell you what <laughs> you say it's my brakes <laughs> but I didn't go careering into that tree for nothing <laughs> but two things about that first of all that refers back to a previous podcast the Post-Truth podcast yeah. which uh, we should recommend once again that everyone should listen to that's my favourite one and to a uh, a future podcast will be about media and mm. uh, the role of the journalist um, but, but carry on yeah so, I don't know where I was going. Wait a minute, wait a minute. that was your favourite one, and all the other ones just just passing some time for. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that, that amongst the excellence, oh. true greatness stands well, out. We didn't say that, did you? Didn't say that. That was my favourite. I've loved them all, Chinch. Mm. Just sit opposite you for oh, for a meal. Man. You're a lucky it's just man. Delightful. No, I think <laughs> it's it's not just having a history in the competition. I think it's it's to do with the competition feeling important. So if City fans had won more than two league titles, that's what that's what I was going to say. I don't have an agenda against City, I just think that two league titles for the, mo- the money they've spent isn't actually an amazing return. But if City fans had won over the last six, seven years, they'd won the league four times, five times, if they were by, by some distance the dominant force in English football, then I think the perspective would change and they might think, right, we, we've kind of done this. Yeah. Does the, the, the first Aguero moment, it will never be like that. You could have that same scenario every year and it would gradually decrease in pleasure. That's the way it works. And I think that the 
the, the Champions League then becomes the, the next hit almost. It's right, we've 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 truly kind of dominated England as much as you can. Now it's time to take That's that. That's the next and, step for a club like and, us. And, yeah. go, and go on. And what City have never had is the opportunity to say, right, we, we feel as though we are now almost comfortable in our skin as the, the foremost team in England. And they, they're, they're, that is still the priority. Well, they that's are, totally fair they enough. Are. And I actually, that's the realism of it. I really like that about City fans. I think it's really, really admirable that they are effectively saying, maybe subconsciously, that they don't want to run before they can walk. The, the two clubs that we mentioned that d- d- do have a, uh, a good relationship with the European Cup and the Champions League are Liverpool, whose dominance came at a time of dominance in England, and Manchester United, who latterly obviously came at a time of dominance in England. So the point that you just made about Manchester City not necessarily being in that position, so therefore being able to concentrate on engendering a good relationship with European football is because they, they almost they don't have space in their hearts, in their minds to be able to do that. Those two clubs did at the time that they built up this history and won some of their European mm-hmm. Cup. Which perhaps is another leads on to another reason why perhaps the Champions League or winning the Champions League has uh, dropped off the radar a little bit for, for Premier League clubs. If you perhaps think of, of leagues or, or nationalities rather than specifically about the clubs, in Spain there are real, I know Atletico Madrid have got to a couple of finals in recent seasons, but realistically if a Spanish team was going to win the Champions League it would be Real Madrid or Barcelona. If an Italian team is going to win the Champions League it would be Juventus, France, PSG, Germany, Bayern. You can't say that about the Premier League. The, the talent pool is spread much more thinly, isn't it? If you could have a Premier League best 11 Super club. then it would be it would be different, but it's much the, the, the outstanding players are, are much more keenly focused mm. in the other top divisions in Europe whereas in the Premier League they are they are spread more thinly between the, the top four, five, six clubs which makes it of course that little bit harder for any one of those clubs to go not just all the way in the Premier League but all the way in the Champions League I think what Chinch made a, made a really interesting point just, just several weeks well, this ago doesn't, doesn't mean it's correct <laughs> point. just just a few minutes ago that no one picked up on because it was chinch and we were all none of us were listening <laughs> is that what you do? <laughs> just tune just out tolerate yeah. tune out some of us do our, so. do our expenses yeah <laughs> I'll carry on. I've done a lot of paperwork yeah. done whilst you've been talking carry on the, with your um, backhanded compliment <laughs> the, um, no when you said that, that there's a difference between thinking City thinking as a Premier League club yeah. and a Champions League club and I think that's crucial that Barcelona Real Madrid Atletico I think Steve's been really harsh on Atletico that they could win the Champions League <laughs> they could win that Juventus Bayern PSG they would probably define as Champions League clubs that is their, that is where they find their core identity is it being I suppose we would see them yeah. as Champions League clubs but I think, think about them yeah. Yeah. The, they are they've kind of expanded beyond that mm. I think because because of Liverpool aren't obviously they've not barely been in the Champions League for the last seven years. Man United, the last Man United are a Champions League club, except that they're currently they're not, not playing in the, the Champions, Champions League. League. You presume that in the next few years they will be back regularly, and then they would be the English club in the Champions League. Chelsea. I know they're not there this year, but Chelsea are, are cha- have become a Champions League club, certainly to foreign players and foreign yeah, fans. Yeah. They are kind of a presence in the Champions League. Arsenal should be, because they're always there, but I think they're, they're, there's a sort of bittersweet relationship with the Champions League because they always go out of it in the last 16. And that has, th- because of the way that their record's gone, it's become very clear to Arsenal fans that they are a Champions League club, but they're very very much the West Brom of the Champions League. That's what that's how the rest of Europe sees them. Kind of, you don't finish mid table. You that's where kind of worms. That's there, where so. you lads go. <laughs> and that's so they are a Champions League club in one sense, but I think it's become cl- clear that they're not on the same level as Bayern yeah. and and who, who they play this week and. 
Barcelona and Real Madrid that you know they're at a different level to Arsenal so I think that's maybe one thing England is currently lacking is, is one or two teams who have that real Champions League identity who see themselves that as being their natural environment and their domestic leaders just where they kind of they, they kind of go to sleep so are Arsenal like an Ajax or a PSV Eindhoven they're, they're pretty much always in the Champions League but nobody ever at the start of the season would back them to win it and that, and I'd love to say yes because it really annoy Arsenal fans but the, no they're not I think I think at the start of the season, you'd like, like you say, with Ajax or PSV, you'd be like, well, they're not going to win it. They might. Yeah. Still, I mean, PSV did, PSV did brilliantly last year against the last 16 and almost put, put Atletico out to them to penalties. But it's feasible that Arsenal could win the Champions League. It's not ridiculous to suggest Arsenal could win the Champions League. I don't think they go into the... I think they've learned but enough you, now. That you, you feel you need to win titles, domestic titles, consistently to give the club that aura. the belief that yeah. we can we can move forward and be and compete with the, the, the big boys in Europe. Where, so City now, if there is a top six, it's harder for them to win the title. Mm. Even though they've got a great coach who's won the Champions League, do the players need to win domestic titles consistently for four or five years, as you were saying there, to move forward and then really challenge in the Champions Not League? Necessarily, I don't, so it's harder to win titles, they it's could, harder to do well in Europe. They could win it, City could win it this year. Yeah. But I think to, to really feel as though that is where you where you conduct your primary business that is the primary purpose of your season is, is doing really well in the Champions League which is how Real Madrid think which is to an extent how Bayern and Barca and Juve think I think you probably need to have a degree of feeling the, the domestic league even if we don't win it this year we've kind of done it enough to not need to do it this year yeah. and there's a, a mutual exclusivity is there not between winning the Premier League and winning the Champions League in the same season City's run to the semi-finals last season came at a time that they knew that they were out of the Premier League title race pretty early on because of a period ironically that came between the end of the group stage and the beginning of the last 16 uh, knockout stages for the, for the Champions League so essentially and it's always been a complaint hasn't it about the English league and how difficult it is and how apparently the television schedules don't allow the Champions League clubs to have an extra day's grace before big European games is that actually you you can't really do both so you have to think about one or the other you can't love them both how did United do in 2008 you they know, they won. They, they won the late. Yes, it's a, it's a rare thing, and of yeah. course, in 1999, they they did it yeah, as well. Yeah, but they won. Yeah. They won the the league in 2008 by a considerable margin. Yeah, yeah, I seem yeah, to remember, which, so they was, may, which helped helped their cause massively. They may be, and if you look at in, a lot of English teams who've done one well in the Champions League, they've done quite badly in the lead. And you, you know, they've you they've, gave Liverpool as an example. Yeah, Liverpool. They've not they've not jacked the lead in, but they have got to the stage. There was a game in 2007 at Fulham when Benitez named a, like a second 11 because he had the Champions League final in 10 days and again weirdly got criticised for it like why would you mm. why, is he, why is he not playing his strongest team in the Premier League because the Champions League the final is, is coming is up yeah. in 10 days well, that tells you everything doesn't it yeah, people that, thinking yeah. that way and saying why are you kind of doing that to our what we consider strangely yeah. but more important than the final you've got yeah. that's crazy isn't it it's completely, but that's how we, that's how but it, so that is how we see it yeah. and I think that's the TV, the TV thing's a great example as well. The fact that in Italy, say, they'll, you, you've already played on Friday, on, on the early kickoff on Saturday. Yeah. Germany, in Germany, I think Bayern play Friday nights, or can play Friday nights. Yeah, open. yeah, there, there is a Friday night slot in Germany. Yeah, um, it, and it, important it, Portuguese teams just play, you know, very often you'll see the, the big Portuguese sides playing on a, a Friday night, even though it's not necessarily a traditional slot. They will move because their domestic, the their yes. domestic organisations will give, give their clubs every single advantage they can. Whereas, of course, how often have we heard stories in the Premier League where clubs we really don't want to play at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon when we've got a Tuesday night Champions League tie in mm. Kiev. No, sorry, that's it. It's, 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 it's on the schedule. It's and done. that's partly because it's not just the Premier League who decide when games are on. 
television is partly Andy. <laughs> I didn't know what I was voting for. I'm sorry, I pressed yes, but I should have pressed no. But it's, it, I think that's also quite telling, that the fact yeah. that the, the English footballing authorities in general have been so slow, and it's something they will they are considering. They've introduced the Friday night slot now, and apparently a lot of those will be kind of weighted towards the end of the season. Uh, a, so strike and sort out how they present it, and B, uh, because... Needs a bit of Andy Hinchcliffe. Really does need a lot more Hinchcliffe. I'm tied up on a Friday night. They're not actually tied up. <laughs> yeah. We're not a championship normally. But it's also... It's, 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 they're going to put a lot of them at the back end of the season in, just so they can give them to the to the teams in the Champions League apparently uh, but it's interesting that that's been so slow because it does kind of suggest that the English are effectively saying look this is what is, is important the rest of it not so much which is bizarre because you're kind of punishing your teams for being excellent and that's, mm. it, that's not a good idea it's an argument Jose Mourinho has used yeah. on countless occasions especially when he was at Chelsea saying look we're, we're, we're flying the kite for the Premier League in Europe mm. and you're making things difficult for us this is it's an absurd what, way to go about what this what a job Jose Mourinho did <laughs> flying the kite for the Premier League claiming that UNICEF were biased in, in favour of Barcelona just what a what a great what a great advert <laughs> for Premier League football <laughs> as we sorry that, I didn't mean to unleash the beast was was, was was the UNICEF thing was that when he was at Chelsea or was it later on it may have been later on is it in on. your own head or did this actually happen no do you not remember when he, he came up with this it might have been when he was at Madrid it's my favourite Mourinho yeah thing. making I, it up as you go along no he um he said that he said he made some cryptic comment in, the, in that Jose way of not actually being that cryptic about if you, if you look at who's, who's sponsoring their shirts you wonder who's making the decisions type thing about UNICEF <laughs> <laughs> so, there, was, there was like a department for looking after child refugees there's a department for looking after you know, childhood illnesses and, and like child marriage and then there was a bit just dedicated to making sure Barcelona did well in Spain when yeah. he was at Real, when was he was at Real Madrid. Madrid. Yeah. It was in 2011. My apologies. My apologies. Stephen has looked something up on the phone during this podcast. <laughs> Very <laughs> Finally, um, just just a final point that the the ECA, um, who represents Europe's leading clubs, the European Clubs Association, have long been push, pushing for the idea of a European Super League. It's been kind of tangible or intangible in many maybe many people's minds for the last decade and more. So would that be a competition supported by? all other leagues apart from the English one because of all the reasons that we've been discussing I can see that happening I can see the ECA eventually I don't think particularly soon I can see the big European clubs getting together and saying right the way we beat the Premier League is we we, come to, we band together the one thing that's, that's, that could force it is Catalan independence if Catalonia gets a referendum on independence if they vote for independence if the Spanish ratify it all of this and they kick Barcelona out of La Liga at that point I think Barcelona would go to the others and say right this is, this is happening now but in, in terms of the strength of Chinese football as well a world league if the, uh, do the chi- will the Chinese clubs want to play European sides is, is that what they that get you ultimately around. that would get you around I think that's a long long way off you think, I was going to say have you a time frame when that because obviously the, side, the giant clubs now as well surely yeah, and you're playing uh, teams in America the Chinese clubs if that continues if this kind of groundswell of players going over there and the one thing that the Chinese clubs can't offer I've made the parallel before and been criticised for it of, um, with, with the Premier League in the 90s that that's all the Chinese clubs are doing they're just spending loads of money on any foreigners they can get which is what English clubs did 20 years ago I Andreas mean, Silenzi was an excellent signing for exactly. Nottingham Forest uh, I think he was going to play Brian Roy played against Brian Roy Brian Roy, Roy yes good player Brian yeah, Roy yeah he didn't get past me the, um, the <laughs> that's because he was going through the middle <laughs> <laughs> but no I think that you, you could see you can see a future in which the Chinese club say right the one thing we can't offer the top players is Champions League football so how do we rectify that the MLS might, MLS might say the same thing if you, you could end up with a world league I know a lot of fans hate that idea and it makes a lot of people very angry it doesn't particularly uh, get my goat, but I would like to see the, a bit of respect for the South, for the genuine giants 
of football that exists in South America yeah, yeah. because I think that it's about time that, that Western Europe stopped greedily kind of saying everything centred everything centered here everything centred here the clubs in South America that are bigger than in, in, in many many ways than, than yeah. the clubs that we talk about European giants the thing about the ECA by the way bloody supranational bodies did we vote to be a part of it can we not <laughs> can we not vote to leave it come on I've never even heard of it the ECA is very important Karl-Heinz Ruminator runs it Oh, I thought he said glue. Sorry. Well, that's it's a bit yet. of a Sorry. closed shop, though, isn't it? It's not sort of they, something... They expanded you know, it a few years ago. Yeah, they, they, the G14. Yeah, you, sort of, you, you have to really kind of... You, it's not everybody. ...beg to be part of it, don't you? Or but you I have think to flex your fun. The Manchester City part of it now? It used to be like a kind of... Like a really, really exclusive gentleman's club with like cigars and port, and now it's a bit like a Weatherspoon. So just just like the English league is accused of being self-obsessed, if you take it on a slightly more macro level, then the, the Western European leagues oh, yeah, are yeah, self-obsessed. Yeah. And then if you look yeah. from even bigger, then yeah, if you look from a global perspective, Europe has been kind of Europe's kind of eaten football. To be honest, at a Weatherspoons with at a pint for, for five pounds. Yeah, it's five <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah curry and pint night. Yeah. 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 yeah, good thinking. Well, before we get you all salivating too much about um, a pint a pint uh, for a five pound note, let's ask Andy once more to send us on our way ah. to a Weatherspoons or not. Again, possible sponsor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to tell a tale from his playing days that has all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Never mind Jack and Ori. What a soccer story. Oh, Andrew. This uh, this is a pre-season tour. It can't happen so much with the big clubs now. Everton were. Yes, they were a big club. And we used to go to Switzerland. Just in case there's any Everton fans listening, yes. you are still massive, a big club. Everton is still a big club. But you couldn't imagine them doing what... I'm not going to tell you the No. But bigger than... Bigger than about South America. Bigger than Southampton, which was certainly something that uh, infuriated them when uh, the question of why Ronald Koeman was moving from Southampton to Everton. But Southampton right. equally not as big as the strongest of La Paz. No. <laughs> you're, you're so self-obsessed with South American football. Yes. Sorry, Chief. It's okay. It's okay. It's probably better than my story. Um, so we're in Switzerland and it's it's a pre-season tour. So we, we're telling to go out to one place. We play. We go out to like towns and villages to play kind of small-scale games. We didn't play the big clubs because they probably beat us and start the season terribly. So we play against kind of local teams. So kind of like park pitches or, or small-scale pitches. So when this happened the town used to put on like a bit of a like a like a fake kind of thing a bit of a fair there'd be like a, a beer tent or something like that so used to make a, an event of it English team coming over and uh, they used to put these big marquees up especially for the occasion and one of these days the, the guys have put the marquees virtually up we're training on the pitch by the side of this marquee there's a guy on a ladder at the apex at the front of the marquee where the entrance is and he must be a good 15 feet off the ground on the top of a ladder putting lights up or doing something Neville Southall has a ball in his hands and we say to Nev, you couldn't, there's no way you'd knock him off that ladder, would you? There's no way from here, you couldn't, you couldn't kick it over your head and hit him and, and knock him off the ladder. And Nev says, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. No, what are the chances? Now, Neville was very good with the ball at his feet, but we thought, no chance. So Neville literally isn't even looking at this guy, puts his foot through the ball. So we're all standing there on the train pitch, watching the trajectory of this ball. And it drops right plumb on this guy's noggin <laughs> on the top of this ladder. Knocks him the ladder. He goes with the ladder, so he's falling a good 15 feet. Crashes to the ground. All we do as players is run to Neville and high-five him. <laughs> <laughs> he's nearly killed this poor guy. All he's doing is trying to put 
bloody lights up, but it was a shot. You couldn't, you couldn't do it if you tried. And Neville literally over his shoulder just lumped this ball, and it was absolutely. It was, but he was okay. Yeah, yeah. couple of broken legs. He was he never played again. <laughs> but he could get up a ladder and do his job, couldn't he? But we all we weren't bothered about the fact that he nearly killed yeah, yeah. someone. It was let's all high five and celebrate the fact he'd hit a poor guy on a ladder 15 feet off the ground. That was just your way of making sure Neville got the blame. If we no, were high fiving him, no one would him. think it was. Us. I couldn't have done that, could I? Even if I tried, well. I could. I actually could put on a sixpence, couldn't I? You could open a can of beans with that. I left never foot. understood that term. What's that all about? Who said it about you? Turn Somebody, on a sixpence. There was a, co- a coach at Everton called Dave Fogg, and he was one of the first. I thought, how? Well, thanks. And I thought, is that a compliment? Is it because you didn't ever cut your toenails, so they're well, particularly sharp? What does that mean? You can open a can of beans, and I say, great, thanks for that. It means that you can operate a can opener with your foot, because it's that dexterous. Is that really what it means? I, I've, that's how I've always. But he never mentioned it. the can opener or a tin opener. He just mentioned with that left foot. You can open a can of beans. Can of beans. With just that the sheer force. Smash through the things away from the from the, the compliment. If you say you don't open a can of beans with that left foot and the correct equipment. Well, it make more sense, of it, wouldn't it? Maybe confuse me greatly. Maybe Dave uh, Fog Fog's judgment was slightly clouded. <laughs> oh, wonderful! Right, shut it down. Shut on, it down. On wonderful. That incredibly humorous bombshell. Um, I would like to ask you uh, once again to subscribe, to share, and to review us as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule and do follow us and engage with us as much as you would like on Twitter at Set Piece Menu. And don't forget, keep those questions coming in for Mr. Andy Hinchcliffe. If you would like a soccer story to be the answer to a question put to him, remember, all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details will be removed. But to Andy, to Steve, to Rory, thank you very much indeed. Thank you to you all for listening. And we'll be back with another set-piece menu for you to enjoy very soon. Wonderfully done. Yeah. I think we should have thanked Hector for being quiet for half an hour as well, which is a That's true. Also, thank you to Hector. He has been good. What's he's been he been entertained been by? How's he been half? good? He's just asleep, isn't How's he? How's he been good? Out. He was good since he, after he ate Andy's wallet. He was maybe that good. maybe that tired him out. Yeah. Just eating all that money. Well, he's probably all that been, cash money. It. He's probably been on Amazon. I've noticed. <laughs> 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 Doggy treats arriving at the pub. What are you gonna, What's going to happen with that? He's just, he's you're going to put it in your back in your back pocket and don't you merry way. He's not speaking of it again. It's been chopped upon. Is it a nice wallet? Is it from Bert? Yes. <laughs> was the uh, wallet doggy before Hector got to it? Oh, no, Steve's eating again, not, everybody. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I'm not waiting any longer. I mean, I've been patient enough with this case. Is, he, is it still Seriously? as moist as it was earlier it's, it's on? It's sensational. You think a man, as stylish as I am, would have a wallet that looks like that? Seriously. I'm going to need to get past the idea you don't have a super dry wallet. I'm going to need to get past the idea of you being that stylish. Back now. <laughs> Your family's done enough damage. <laughs> Just from the same place as I get my slippers. You always slippers? I don't have any slippers, no, but I would like a pair. Why?